Welcome to the Internal Therapy Podcast, where we combine physical therapy and internal medicine to help you prevent disease and injury. I am Samuel Soto, doctor of physical therapy, and I am with my brother Joseph Soto, a physician. So Joe, what are you up to today? Today, not much. Went for a nice little five-mile walk today. Um, didn't do weights today, unfortunately. You know, I love my doing my weights. Uh, you know, went up to 315 this week. My PR right there, three sets, three reps, three by five protocol. Trying what to get those strength gains. What exercise did you PR? Deadlift. So PR means personal record, right? Yeah. So you did 315 pounds on the deadlift. Yeah. Now, do you deadlift with the... Um, conventional or sumo how do you deadlift so i do the what's called the trap bar um it gives me better uh posture and uh it's just easier for me to do than the regular deadlift um both are fine but i prefer the the trap bar that's awesome are you gonna ask me what i did yeah what'd you do (laughs) i did pull-ups push-ups squats i ran two miles and then i did a cold plunge 30 degree weather 30 degree uh, water Oh wow! I threw in some ice endurance. in there, and then I did I did about two minutes fifty fifty four seconds in the cold plunge. Damn! Yeah. So for those of you listening, as you guys can probably tell at this point, I'm more of a strength training guy. Sammy's more of a calisthenics endurance type of person, cardio. Um, but although we like to mix it up, um, but yes, yeah, Sam, let's 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 talk about yeah. th- this topic because this is a very underappreciated topic that a lot of people don't talk about. Yes, the topic is called sarcopenia. And uh, what sarcopenia means essentially is, you know, comes from the Greek words sarx, S-A-R-X, which means flesh, and penia, which means loss. So we've heard of osteopenia, which is weakening of the bone. So what is sarcopenia? Basically, it's weakening of your muscle tissue. It's the muscle tissue that gets atrophied or gets smaller, gets weaker, and the fibers or the muscle cells start to deteriorate and become small. And be, when they become small, we can't produce as much force contraction through the muscle. And, you know, this starts to happen as early as in your 30s, guys. So as early as in your 30s, if resistance training, like Joseph was just talk, talking about, like if you're not lifting weights, then you will develop sarcopenia. It, it's inevitable. It is a... Part of aging, just like infertility, just like wrinkles, you know, there's certain things that the human body goes through um, that if we don't actively do things to manage it or prevent it, it will show up and it will show up more aggressively later in life, specifically in your 60s, 70s, when you need that muscle contraction and muscle mass to prevent things like falls and, 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 and other, other issues like diabetes too. Because having a good muscle mass is, is important for preventing diabetes. So, Joe, just tell us uh, your experience with sarcopenia in your practice and how you've seen it develop with your patients. Yeah. So, like I was mentioning uh, just a second ago, sarcopenia is a very underappreciated topic in medicine. It's something that we don't talk about enough. Um, you know, like Sam was explaining, sarcopenia is basically age-related muscle muscle loss. So as, as he was explaining, you know, as we get older, um, beginning in the 30s, we actually start to lose what's called the type 2 muscle fiber. Now, type 2 muscle fibers are the fibers that control 
basically our explosiveness and our power. So these are things such as sprinting, running fast, being able to jump, being able to perform uh, explosive movements. Those are the ones that typically start to deteriorate with age. Now, muscles, they have two fibers. There's type 1 and type 2. So type 1 is actually the slow fibers. These are the ones that allow you to walk many, many, many miles without being tired. Uh, usually these are the calf muscles, the muscles of the feet, you know, muscles that are very uh, fatigue resistant. So what happens is when people start to age, you know, especially in their 60s and 70s, that process starts to accelerate. So what happens is we start losing those type 2 fibers and people, they start to become very weak, especially in the lower extremities. So what I've seen in my practice, especially among you know people in the 60s and 70s, is uh, they start reporting that they, they, they feel like they're going to fall you know, when they're walking down the stairs. They start feeling afraid to walk down the stairs. They, they start losing confidence in their, in their walking abilities. You know, their, their, their gait speed is diminished. And why does this happen? Well, one of the reasons is because of the type 2 fibers. They start to decrease or they start to lose effectiveness. But the other reason is actually pretty simple, is that we just lose muscle as we get older. You know, many, there's many reasons for this. Uh, one is hormonal. So in women, uh, when estrogen starts to go down after menopause, we you know, start losing muscle mass, bone mass. Um, bones and muscles are very, very tightly correlated. You know, the stronger the muscle you have, the stronger the bone you have typically. You know, in men, it's also declined in testosterone. So mm -hmm. the older you get, the less your the, the more your testosterone comes down, the, the, the weaker you become and the less muscle mass. Now, this is a very important point I want to make right now. So strength and muscle mass are not the same thing. They're two very different things. What do I mean by this? Sam, you see, you've seen the guy in the gym that looks like the bodybuilder that, you know, has big muscles, big biceps, big triceps. And then right. you see them lifting weights and they're not lifting very heavy weights because that's a very specific type of training that they do. It's called hypertrophy training. That's more bodybuilding. And that's more bodybuilding. That's what people think of. Oh, I'm going to lift weights. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is actually decreasing strength. Now, without getting too much into it, there are different ways to train our muscles. There's strength training or it's under the umbrella of resistance training, which I know most of you have seen. And then there's bodybuilding, hypertrophy training. Uh, that all falls in the umbrella of resistance training. Um, so people, as they get older, they, they actually get weaker. Their muscles get weaker. It's not that there's the size is going down per se. You know, someone, you take someone in their twenties and thirties, they're, they're supposedly at their peak strength and muscle mass, but you take that same person in their sixties, you know, their muscles may be a little bit smaller, but they're not that much smaller. Really the difference is the strength. You know, if you ask that person to do, you know, a bench press or, um, you know, something that requires a lot of strength, a deadlift, they, they probably won't be able to do what they were able to do 30 years before, even though their muscles are the same size. So what we're talking about here is strength, which, you know, sarcopenia is related to that. Um, but it's, and why are we saying this? Why, what's so important about this distinction is because as we've seen in study after study, strength is a, is a marker of longevity. 
And as you guys know, on this channel, we're all about longevity. How do we live longer and how do we prevent disease? So, you know, with that in mind, that framework in mind, we can start talking about more specifics about, you know, what are some of the things that we can look for, some of the exercises and stuff like that. Well, I, I agree, Joe, with what you're saying, but I think you're missing a, a component of sarcopenia. I think, yes, yeah, sarcopenia is definitely is defined as a loss of strength as we age, but I do think that you also lose muscle mass and size. Because if you take an MRI, they've done MRI studies of a 25-year-old, you know, they've done an MRI of the thigh, that, you know, we have quad muscle there, the hamstring muscles, adductors. If you take a cross-section of the thigh, you do an MRI, 25-year-old versus a 70-year-old, you see that there's a big difference in size of the muscle. And another important thing that people don't mention is that there is an infiltration of adipose tissue. There's an infiltration of fibrous and adipose tissue into the skeletal muscle. So not only does sarcopenia cause limitations in strength as we age, but we actually get more fat deposits into the muscle which then again, it can impact your insulin sensitivity. It can impact diabetes. It can impact uh, how much force you can produce. And we don't really want a lot of fat around that area. We want muscle tissue. So yeah, so yeah, I think I think it's I think it's the strength, and I think it's also that that loss of muscle mass and fatty infiltration that's that's uh, um, characteristic of of sarcopenia. But um. Yeah, I think I think from a physical therapist perspective, sarcopenia is definitely something that I treat, you know, given that I work with older adults within the ages of like 55, 60, all the way up to 100. Sarcopenia is very common with the population I see. And, you know, for anybody out there who works with older adults in terms of fitness, like personal trainers, PTs, whatever it is, we have to push them a lot more than we do. They're not being pushed enough. You know, doing doing a couple sets of leg raises every single week without any weight, doing some mini squats, getting them on a bike, and doing the same thing every week is doing them a disservice. We have to challenge our older adults more to make to show them that they can do it and they can recover the muscle mass that they've lost throughout the years of inactivity and living a sedentary lifestyle. So with my patients, I put them on the sled. I have them do wall squats. I have them do bicep curls. I have them do wall push-ups, um, incline push-ups. I have them do weight-bearing exercise and resistance training. And I progress it every week. Okay. When it comes to the rehab world, we can't have our patients doing the same thing every week. Even if they're 90 years old or 99 or 65. When it comes to strength training, Joe, don't you have to progress the weight every week to make gains? Can you tell us yeah. more about exercise progression? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's called the principle of progressive overload. So that's a, one of the most important components of, of strength training or resistance training is that, you know, if you're somebody who wants to get stronger, build bigger muscles, you really have to either add more weight each week or more, do more repetitions. There really is no other way to progress. There's only two variables pretty much. I mean, some people say you can also lower the tempo, you can go slower, but honestly, it's either you add more weight or you do more repetitions. So that's called the principle of progressive overload. Um, I just want to back up for a second, but you mentioned something about the, the fat in the muscle. Mm -hmm. So 
that's an extremely important point. So let me just explain this real quick before we kind of explain what people should be looking out for, what they should be doing to aid their longevity journey. So skeletal muscle is one of the most nutrient sensitive organs in the human body. So people don't think of muscles as organs. They think of the liver as an organ, the heart as an organ, the skin, if you're smart enough, as an organ. But they don't see muscles as organs. Actually, muscles are an organ system. And they're very, very, very tightly regulated and controlled by the nervous system and by the hormonal system. But it turns out that muscles, they require a lot of energy in the form of ATP. This is something we've explained in previous episodes. ATP is the currency that the human body uses for energy. But as you can imagine, let's say you're somebody who is diabetic, you know, you have high triglycerides. The muscle cell does not respond as well when you're insulin uh, resistant. Because actually insulin, the hormone that regulates glucose, actually acts uh, on, the, on the level of the muscle, the muscle cell. So... If you can imagine, if you're someone who's insulin resistant, diabetic, your muscles, they start to develop issues, right? Your muscles, they can't use the glucose that is in the bloodstream as efficiently as someone like Sam or myself, because we are not diabetic. We exercise, we eat well, so we're very efficient with our muscles. You could think of muscles as sinks, energy sinks, right? They take up all the energy, all the glucose from the human body. So the more energy sinks that you have in your body, aka the more muscle, then the more efficient you are in terms of regulating glucose. And this is the reason why the more muscle you have, the less likely you are to develop type 2 diabetes. But Joe, as- I don't want to I don't want to lift weights because because I'm going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't want to be toned and big like that. Okay, let's debunk that right now. So I hear this a lot from my patients, especially female patients. Oh, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to be big. Listen, if the women out there listening to this, you will not get bulky doing weights unless you take steroids, right? You need to do weights at any age. If you're man, woman, young and old, you need to incorporate weight lifting into your routine. Especially you if you're an bulky. older adult and you're female. Especially if you're older. And something else that people don't really appreciate is that you can you can make progress at any age, okay? You don't have to be young to, to be strong and healthy. This is a misconception people don't understand. You could be in your 70s. We've seen this in research studies. In studies like Sam was, was mentioning, the MRI studies, the um, MRI scanners, the EMGs, which is how you mu- measure muscle responsiveness. At any age, if you start doing anything, your muscles will respond and you can actually make progress, right? So, you know, I have a lot of older patients that tell me, oh, you know, I'm not young anymore. Oh, you know, I I can't be strong. I can't do this. No, that's complete BS, okay? You can can do it at any age. And, And actually, older people should be doing more weights than younger people. They should. Because they're already under decline. They already have losses of hormones, like I mentioned, testosterone, estrogen. Uh, They're they're already losing type 2 muscle fibers. They're also losing something very important that's called the eccentric strength. What What do I mean by that? Eccentric. So muscles have two primary movements, eccentric, concentric. Uh, The typical example is you're doing a bicep curl. 
when the bicep, when your the barbell goes up towards your arm, that's the concentric. You're contra contracting your muscle. When it comes down, that's the eccentric. For what's the equivalent for walking? Is you walking up a hill or up a flight of stairs? Concentric. Walking down, eccentric. Well, fun fact: Where do most people fall? Is it climbing up the stairs or down the stairs? Down the stairs. Most people fall going down. Why is that? It's because that's the eccentric component. And that's where people have the most weakness as they get older. So we really have to train the eccentric component. Yeah. So, yeah, this is very, very, you know, complicated topic. You know, it has to do with metabolism, insulin resistance. And, you know, just know that longevity is tied to this. Yes. You know, people, people who have strong grips, they live longer. Okay, this has been studied multiple times. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into what specific exercises you can use. But just know that your grip strength, how fast you can walk, those are all markers of longevity. We all know the person where you, where you shake their hand, they have that strong grip. That person's going to live it. long. Done deal. It's a business. That's a, bit, that's a done deal. Yeah, you shake someone's hand and it's strong. You're like, wow, this guy or this, this, this woman is... Is, is powerful, strong, is, vi is vital, you know? The, the, the energy is there. You shake someone's hand and it's like, it feels like it's like a, like you're shaking like a, like a doll or something. That's not good, you know? The studies that they've done with sarcopenia is the markers for sarcopenia are weak grip strength and slow gait speed. What do I mean by slow gait speed? I mean, you walk slow. If you walk slow and you have a weak grip, you probably have osteopenia. I mean, sorry, you probably have sarcopenia. Okay, mm -hmm. so that it's it's um it's very straightforward. And slow gait speed or slow walking speed is associated with falls. It's associated with Parkinson's disease. It's associated with 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 all these all these many neurological conditions. It's associated with um, poor posture. So it's very simple to train grip strength. Um, you know, a, a dead hang is, is a great exercise done. You know, you could do it at the gym, do it at a park. Just grab the bar and you just hang. That's it. All you have to do is hang. Um, another thing you can do is for grip strength is farmer's carries. So just grab some heavy dumbbells um, and, 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 and walk around. Walk around with them. Walk around with them until you develop that grip strength. And you could do that every single day. All right. Anything where you're gripping, you know, like even like jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, martial arts, where you're gripping the gi, you're grabbing the 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 gi of the of the uh, the attire, and you're doing that. That builds up grip strength. You know, um, exercises like like just arm wrestling. You know, this is, this is, arm wrestling is a sport. You know, people who arm wrestle, they have a lot of muscle mass. Um, you know, things like that. So I think it's very simple. There are also many recreational activities that involve grip strength, like I mentioned. So there's definitely options out there to increase your grip strength. And when it comes to walking speed, the more the stronger your legs are, the, the faster you're going to be able to walk. You know, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your hip flexors, your ankle dorsiflexors, and having a strong core. Uh, because for you to walk fast, you have to have a strong, stable foundation, which is your core. So training, you know, all those muscles around the hip, core, and um, ankle area are going to help you walk faster. So, Joe, I want to talk a little bit about uh, protein because we can't talk about muscle mass. We can't talk about building strength. We can't talk about sarcopenia without talking about protein. And I've noticed my patients also, the older adults, 
who has sarcopenia, what are they most likely not doing as well? Because they think, I'm old now. I don't need protein. I'm old. I don't need the same amount that I used to when I used to go to the gym or when I used to go to work and commute to work. So what do I need protein for? Protein is bad for my kidneys. My doctor said not to eat protein. Tell us, Joe. All right. So this this actually really, really pisses me off, Sam. So this whole notion that, kin- that protein injures your kidneys, I mean, how do I go about doing this? So this has been debunked at this point. Um, unless you have uh, chronic kidney disease, CKD stage 5, or, or your end-stage renal disease patient on dialysis, you really should not worry about your protein intake, okay? It does not affect your kidney function at all. Our kidneys are designed to handle grams and grams and grams and grams of protein per day, right? Again, unless you have a specific kidney disorder that where you know, you're glomerulus, which is um, you know, a structure that, that reabsorbs protein, you should not worry about protein intake. So that's the first thing that I have to get rid of or I have to get rid of that whole notion with my patients when I tell them you have to increase your protein intake. Usually it's the older patients, right, who've been told this, this myth by older doctors who honestly are not up to date with the literature. And um, it's unfortunate because these patients, they're undernourished. So they're actually not getting enough protein. So it turns out that protein is one of the three building blocks, fat, carbohydrates, and protein. But protein is actually a macronutrient that is essential to building muscle. So you need protein to build muscle. You could do all the weights you want in the world, but if you don't give those muscles the building blocks, they're not going to get stronger. They're not going to get bigger. So you need to make sure that you're eating enough protein. So how much protein do you need? Well, if you want to build muscle and get stronger, as a rule of thumb, you need to consume 0.7 grams per pound up to one gram per pound. So if you're 200 pounds, then you need to consume 200 grams of protein per day. That has been shown to stimulate muscle growth optimally. Now, I don't want to get into the specific amino acids because there are some amino acids that do this better than others. Uh, actually, if you want to know, leucine is one of the amino acids that contributes most to muscle, muscle growth. Um, so you really want to make sure you're getting at least 0.7 to 1 gram per day of protein. It doesn't have to be all in one sitting. You can divide it up throughout the day in maybe three or four sessions. But you really need protein as you get older. It's so important. Protein is something that we're just not getting enough of. And this is something else that really, really, really pisses me off, Sam. Have you seen those nutrition guidelines when you when it says like the US whatever DA recommends like 16 grams of protein? That's 80% of your daily intake. So have you seen that crap? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's sickening. It really is sickening because they're grossly underestimating how much protein you need per day, right? Yeah. I just told you guys, if you're 200 pounds, like I'm 200 pounds, right? And I do a lot of weightlifting and a lot of exercise. I need to consume around 150 to 200 grams of protein per day. You think I'm going to get that eating a, a bowl of chickpeas? No, that's, a, no. that's the higher end, right? Because you exercise. So that's the higher end of it. That's yeah, the one gram per muscle. pound. But it turns out that if you want to maintain muscle mass as you get older, you also need a similar amount yeah. of yeah, protein. Yeah, you need that. And again, we're not carnivore diet people here. We're not keto diet people here. You know, we're, we're very balanced. I'm sorry, but you cannot get protein 
it's the most bioavailable is an animal is the animal products. That's it. You need look. You would need to eat a freaking gallon or I don't know how you would even quantify it of of chickpeas to get them the same protein that you would get with a piece of steak. And then, then mean, it's never gonna match. It's never gonna be the same because it's just not the same. It's not the same not, protein buildup. The one thing I notice with my patients because I ask a lot of questions, right? I'm looking for patterns as a physical therapist. I'm looking for patterns, right? And, and, and the commonality that I see with people with sarcopenia is that they have osteopenia. And the commonality I see is that they're frail and they have a certain f- uh, features, right? They're thin, frail, mm-hmm. um, fair skin, uh, over 50. And what, what, do they mo- what do most of them not do? Consume meat. Why? Because their doctor told them or because when they were growing up, meat was demonized and they said, don't eat this, don't eat that. So what do they do instead? They eat more vegetables, which is fine. That's fine. Just make sure you're eating enough protein because your 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 chance of falling increases so much with sarcopenia. Yeah. And 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 if what you're doing is working, why do you have sarcopenia? Why do you have osteopenia? Why do we have all these diseases of the 21st century? Why do they exist? What happened to the infectious diseases? They all gone most of them have gone away. And we're living in a world with where we have to worry about osteoporosis. We have to worry about sarcopenia we have to worry about falls and hip fractures and and, an increase in mortality because of this and hospitalizations things that we didn't have to worry about as humans before we never had to worry about that so i've noticed that people are not consuming enough protein they're not doing enough strength training resistance training and what that's causing is an increase in sarcopenia and osteopenia and i think we need to push our patients to 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 eat more protein and, and work out more um yeah, I just wanted to mention also that one of my great professors from physical therapy school, when I took an exercise physiology class, he told us that, you know, when you go into a gym, you see mostly young people, but in reality, the gym should be filled with older adults instead. It should be filled with older adults because they need it the most. And and uh, and it's not. And uh, I think I think older adults should be lifting more weights. That's yeah, it. and and you know why? Also, we know why that happens, Sam. Is because we've been told through the guidelines that we need all this cardio that we need to do. Ah, uh, cardio. 150 minutes a week of cardio. Who, what does that even mean? 150 oh minutes of what? Of walking? Of what? Right. Yeah. It's so. It's so. It's so dumb. Like the guideline again is yes, you do want to be doing cardio. Cardio is very, very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here demonizing cardio. Yeah, you do have to do cardio. It does, it does lower blood pressure. It does protect your heart. But where are the guidelines for strength training? I don't see them anywhere. Where are the guidelines for protein? I don't see them anywhere. So well, we, the, need to, we, need to, we need to update this whole guideline because it's outdated. And yeah. I just told you guys that strength and muscle mass is a clear indicator of longevity. The stronger grip you have, the longer you live. The faster you can walk, the longer you live. I mean, it's clear. And I just want to bring something up, Sam, very important. Uh, this drug called Ozempic that I know a lot of you have heard of. It's called semaglutide. It's a GLP-1 agonist. What does that mean? It's a hormone that's made in the gut that regulates your appetite. So this drug, which is an injection, blocks the hormone GLP-1, and it causes you to become full. You know, you're, you're, You don't eat as much, and you lose weight. And it turns out that people who have been using this drug for a year or two 
Sure, they lose weight, but you know what else they're losing? They're losing muscle mass. So with what I just told you about the correlation between strength, muscle mass, and longevity, does that sound like a good thing to have? You're losing muscle mass, okay? See, weight in it in it and of itself is not the whole story. This whole BMI thing is also outdated. BMI is actually not very informative at all. What you really want to pay attention to is the your height to waist ratio. Okay, that's the most important thing. Because, for example, my BMI is 27.7. Am I overweight and obese? Definitely not. I can do 15 pull-ups in a row. Okay, I, I just told you. I can do 300 whatever pounds. I'm not here bragging. But I'm just telling you that if you look at the BMI, you would think I'm overweight. And I'm definitely not. Um, so... You know, all this stuff is outdated. Um, for those of you taking that medication, Luzempic, just know that you're losing muscle mass. And there's other ways to lose weight that doesn't involve an injection. And it doesn't involve, you know, paying thousands yeah. of dollars each month without, without insurance for this medication. That honestly, we don't really know what the long-term effects are. There's, there's you know, pancreatic issues. There's issues with, um, you know, developing cancers down the line. We just we just don't know. And you're, you're exposing yourself to this thing that is potentially making you lose muscle when you could just do some resistance training. You could do, you know, some sort of intermittent fasting. I mean, there's other ways to go around this. So, Sam, let's take this, this final minute to kind of tell people what exactly they should be doing in the, in the routine. Well, I, to... I just had a question. I took some notes. I had a question for you. You said that the guidelines aren't there. Do you mean that the guidelines for strength training aren't being pushed by doctors or that they just you don't you can't find them? No, there are no guidelines for strength training. It doesn't exist. So there is, there is. Let me tell you, there is. So in yeah, PT but they're not, they're not USDFDF and AAHA approved. They don't what have a, the stamp of the American Heart Association. So that means it doesn't exist. So, so the National Academy of Sports Medicine (NASM) for strength training. That that's not. You're saying it has to be AHA. If it doesn't have the stamp of the American Heart Association or the United States. Preventive task force is as if it doesn't exist, unfortunately. Oh, I see what you're saying. All right, so I'm gonna look into you ca that. You catch what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it to see if it does. But we we did learn it, but I, I don't I don't think it's being, it's not being pushed by by medical doctors. No, it's it's always not. just cardio. You know, a person with heart problem, they go to the cardio cardiologist. What do they tell them? Go on a treadmill, walk more, go swimming. Okay, so what? And then what? And then you're gonna have weak muscles. Mm-hmm. And, and again, cardio is good. You need to do cardio. You have to do swimming, run. All that stuff is great. But you have to incorporate resistance training. Because, again, everything we just said, longevity, also osteoporosis. What is the most effective way to prevent osteoporosis? It's strength training, resistance, adding resistance to your muscles. Weight-bearing. Your bones become better. Weight-bearing yeah, weight exercises. exercises. Dancing. It's not, it's not being pushed, Sam. I see this. I see this. I see this. Uh, no, no one talks about this. I'm pro I'm the only one who's talking about this where where I where I practice, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's pretty sad. It's pretty it's pretty bad. It's pretty yeah. bad. So let, let's tell the people, the folks listening, what can they do? What's what are the specific exercises that they can implement right now into their routine to make sure that they're not losing muscle mass and developing sarcopenia? Well, I think in a, in a safe way, if you are cleared to exercise, and I'm not saying to do this. I'm saying these are the potential or possible exercise that you can do. I'm not saying to do them because I don't know your status. I don't know your condition. But these are some exercises that have been shown to increase muscle mass and strength in your legs. 
So you can you can do a wall squat. You know, you go up against the wall, you and with a nice big posture, and you slide up and down the wall like you're squatting, and you go up and down. You can do a set of ten, take a break, do another set of ten, take a break, try to get to three sets of ten. Okay, and every week what you can do is carry a couple a couple pounds of you know dumbbells or or some some groceries and go up and down. Every week, start to increase the load on the muscle, and that's going to be great for your glutes, your quads, your hamstrings, everything. That's one exercise for your legs, okay? For your arms, very basic. You can do a push-up. And I'm not saying go on the floor and do clap push-ups. I'm just saying start off on the wall. Do a push-up on the wall. If that's too easy, do an incline push-up like against the kitchen countertop. And if that's too easy, then you can do a push-up on the floor, on your knees, Going up and down, working your way up to doing a regular push-up. Doing push-ups has been associated with incre- decreased mortality. If you can do 30 push-ups, your likelihood of dying is very low compared to other people. If you Okay, so push-ups are very important for your chest muscles and your arms, okay? And you could do more repetitions every week to progress it. So this is just two basic like upper body, lower body functional movements that you can start to do. And again, the key is progressive overload. If you are working with a physical therapist, with a trainer, if you're watching YouTube videos at home because of the pandemic and you're doing quote unquote strength training or what that's what you think you're doing, but you're doing the same workout every single time, you are not doing strength training. You are wasting your time. You have to progressively overload. Okay. And if you don't know what that means, just Look up progressive overload. Look up ways to progress exercises. Um, I'm going to be posting some shorts on exercises on YouTube, so look out for that. But yeah, that's just that's uh, that's my two cents there. Yeah, and just a couple things just to wrap up what specific exercises. So there's something called a dead hang, where you want to be hanging from a from a pull up bar, and the goal is to work up to one minute. So you, if if you're someone out there listening and you want to you know, what is considered a, a strong grip is you want to do at least one minute of hanging on the bar. Um, something else that you can do is in the exercise called farmer's walk, where you should work up to carry your body weight. So half of your body weight on each arm. So for example, if you weigh 180 pounds, then you want to have 90 pounds on each arm for one minute, walk around for one minute. Um, like Sam mentioned, the, the, the wall, wall sits, those are great. You know, leg extensions have also been shown to, you know, lead to glute, glute development and strength. If you want to work on your type 2 muscle fiber, you want to be doing broad jumps. What, are, what I mean by that is you stand in, in one place and you jump as far forward as you can. And your goal is at least your height. So if you're six feet, you want to be doing six feet. And, and then those are the basic things for strength. Uh, we're going to have some videos on VO2 max and cardiovascular fitness because we do believe it's very important. Uh, but today we really wanted to focus on strength yep. and sarcopenia and how that you know translates to longevity. Yep, sarcopenia, sarcopenia, sarcopenia. There's there's a lot that we talked about. Just remember that sarcopenia is a loss of muscle mass and strength as we age, and that starts in our 30s. And we need to be preventative, and we need to start doing resistance training as soon as possible. But if you're 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, it's not too late. You can build muscle, and you can do it effectively to help prevent falls and give you better quality of life so we're definitely going to do more episodes on osteopenia we're going to do episodes on how to lose weight 
what's also like what's the best form of cardio to losing weight so a lot of information is going to be on this podcast guys we thank you for listening we're going to be posting every week again um and yeah thank you for listening to the internal therapy podcast and we will see you next time take care